So Kernighan's law, it, it deals with, it, it's, uh, it's, it's related to debugging. And the quote goes like this, debugging is twice as hard as writing the code in the first place. Therefore, if you write the code as cleverly as possible, you are by definition, not smart enough to debug it. Welcome back, folks, to uh, Z DevOps Talks with Chris and Chris. Um, Chris Sales is uh, back from paternity leave, right? Hey, everyone. Yeah. And we are joined by Jeff Douglas. So, uh, Jeff, before we get started, um, we uh, we had a little bit of we had a little opportunity to to uh, stalk you online. Stalk. You probably noticed I were I connected with you on LinkedIn. Um, so I did notice that. Thanks, man. thanks for thanks for accepting my invite. <laughs> I, I was really tempted to push the ignore button. You know what? You would have been in good company if you pushed the ignore bu- ignore button. That's like the story of my life. So, <laughs> um, so I want to make sure that I have this correct. You were you're you are originally from Canada, right? You're Canadian. Yes. Ontario. Yep. I was born in Ontario in a place called Owen Sound. Okay. And if you ever took a look of, at the map of Southern Ontario and rotated at 90 degrees. The outline where the lakes and the land all meet, you'll see the actual shape of an elephant, including the, the, the trunk and the legs and the body and even the tail. No way. Yeah, way. Take a look at it sometime. All right, so that was good. That was that was um, background information that I did not uncover during my exhaustive search on Jeff Douglas. Um, but I did find out that you, I did learn you were an avid, avid cyclist during your teenage years and into your early twenties, right? Uh, well, yes, but I also cycled 23,000 miles, um, in between the age of, uh, 50 and six. Wow. That's almost the circumference of, of the earth. Right. right? I've cycled across the United States with, uh, 49 other people and I did the West coast with a bunch of uh, friends and uh, Natchez Trace Parkway and the Blue Ridge Parkway and uh, four bouts in Europe with my wife. And, wow. You also have a black belt in Taekwondo, right? Yes, I do. Uh, 11 years. I studied that in all of my forties and um, was black belt for seven years. And I uh, was fighting with another um, third degree black uh, in a sparring match at the end of that. Uh, I mean, it's hard all the time, but yeah. uh, I just misblocked a punch and it caught my ring, uh, my, one of my fingers mm-hmm. um, wrong and basically ripped all the tendons off. And so I couldn't really make a fist. Ouch. And I thought, hmm, I need to do something. I'm not going to, I have to let this heal. It's going to take yeah. two months. And yeah. So, I thought, you know what? I used to cycle. I'm going to go back into cycling. And so that's when I started the uh, 10 more years of it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm still cycling you know, today. That's cool. That's cool. I, I, I almost, I, you're so, um, we've talked about this before, but our internal profiles in um, IBM, we have um, a couple of things. We, have, we use Slack. So you have images there. And then we have blue pages, which I, I think in the, in the past, we said it's kind of like Facebook, but it's really not like Facebook. It's actually probably, it's probably more it's probably closer to LinkedIn because, you know, it has like your CV where you're located, you know, like any, you know, badges or patents or anything, which I noticed you have like a, a badge for a, a patent, right? I think is that. Well, it's are, five if, patents that I, I produced for this latest product. Yeah. Um, so that's cool. Um, 
I'm totally on a tangent here, but your image has you on a bike bicycle. So yeah, that's at the top I, of the Brooklyn Bridge. That is. Oh, okay, cool. Um, <clears throat> okay, so y- before we started the recording here, um, my in my notes, I had you know I, I showed that you were you know you've been involved in um, in this industry for thirty plus years, but it's actually it's you said it's actually over forty. It's forty eight years, right? You've been programming since what seventy two, I think. 1972. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I was in grade 10 and I, I knew it as soon as that first little, uh, Fortran program I wrote, I was hooked. I, that's, it, was, it was for me. That's cool. Um, and since that time you've been with CA technologies, Microfocus, Nuvis Inc, which was acquired by IBM. And I, we can revisit some of the stories. There's some pretty good stories there and connections, HCL technologies, and then IBM. That's, 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 uh, that's quite the career. Um, actually you missed a bunch of it, but, uh, uh IBM twice. Okay. Um, Where are the but I, I was actually in health systems for the first 10 years. Okay. Uh, computerizing radiology part departments in hospitals across Canada. Um, that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, that's where you really learned fun stuff back yeah. then, you know, assembler, PL1, COBOL, kicks, um, IMS, you know, all that, all that stuff. And, yeah. and doing it at a, a deep level, you know, a lot of things today, you're separated so much from what's really happening in the computer, but, you know, we sort of sure learned the basics back then. And, and they've helped me, I think they've helped me through a lot, uh, oh. a lot of the industry. We're going to come back to the assembler, which correct me if I'm wrong. Assembler is, is like one step above microcode, right? That's like almost, that's the closest that you can get and still it, and it still be, and, and a human still be able to, 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 to do something. Right. I mean, once it gets, if you can't do it in assembler, you shouldn't be doing it. (laughs) Um, All right, so Chris, where we have? Do you want to go back to this Nuvis Inc.? The, no, the uh, so my father John Sales, who was on a previous podcast, uh, also worked at Nuvis, yeah. and apparently Jeff and John knew each other. Um, and uh, Jeff, you worked you worked out of the Shelton, Connecticut office at one point or another, yeah, or had at least been there. No, that's that's there was only the one office, and that's where where it is uh, or was. Okay, you know, and your dad and I go back a lot further than that too. We were. We were both at Microfocus together. Um, yeah, tell us a little bit about Microfocus. Oh, that was an interesting company. It was uh, actually a really good company to work for. They were really good to their employees. Um, and uh, um, it was based out of England, but there was a, a big office in California, plus some other offices and you know, like outside of Philadelphia. And, um, it was, it was based on COBOL, basically, you know, emulating COBOL, uh, running it on all these different platforms and that kind of thing. And um, I actually uh, worked, uh, I had my own company in the 80s, and I was, wrote all of uh, IMSDB on the PC. So it would emulate all of IMSDB, execute there, and, and this kind of thing. And wow. um, a, a company called Realia bought me out. And so I, on con- under contract, I wrote all of, all of IMSTM to run on the PC as well. And um, then I wrote a new product um, 
they didn't even know I was writing it. I just basically handed it to them and said, Merry Christmas. But it was, um, <laughs> I wrote all of the mainframe assembler language on the PC. So not only would it assemble on the PC, mainframe assembler, but it would execute it. So I actually built in a runtime that emulated all of the microcode instructions on the PC. Wow. And um, that was um, rated by a, Datamation magazine is one of the top 10 products of that year or whatever. Wow. And I just handed it to, to them basically. But it was fun, real fun to write. But imagine, you know, you're writing main, a completely different architecture to execute on, on a PC. Uh, under So it's writing mainframe machine language and to be encapsulated within PC machine language. And then with a built-in debugger and all this other stuff. So when I was writing all these products, um, you know, they, um, that Realia got bought out by Pansophic and Pansophic got bought out by CA. And, um, you know, CA, um, I don't know, they, we, we parted our ways, basically. They, uh, they had, uh, I went to uh, Microfocus. Microfocus wanted to hire me, so I said, okay. And... Um, you know, so I went to Microfocus and I, I designed and wrote a brand new product for them. Um, and it's still in use today. It's their entire mainframe access suite called the MFA. And I wrote all of that. That made the, the entire mainframe basically look like a PC drive. And so you'd have access to all kinds of files and, and you know, even source control systems like Librarian and Pandalay and all this other stuff. You, you'd have access to it as simply as accessing a PC file. And, uh, wow. Yeah. So, you know, it's been fun, uh, those <laughs> kinds of things. Uh, and then I, and I went to, um, uh, Nuvis because, you know, I was sort of getting tired of actually, um, seeing my, you know, friends and that joining these startups, getting all these stock options and stuff. And so, you know, um, Nuvis, made me an offer and I said, okay, we'll, we'll take it. And, uh, we moved, uh, they moved us to Connecticut from California. And, um, so I was there and of course that's when the bubble I was talking about burst. And, uh, out of the 330, uh, that start was at Nuvis at its height. Uh, I think only 26 of us made it to the end and, uh, became IBM. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It's quite the calling, huh? Um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's for sure. And, um, then in IBM, I, uh, I was in the EGL group and I rewrote all of the, uh, COBOL generation for, um, their EGL language. And, um, that's when they sold off EGL, um, to HCL and I went for a year and came back, uh, IBM wanted, and I wanted to go back. And then I, uh, I, um, developed this brand new product. Um, over the last two years called uh, the um, IBM WASI virtual test platform. Okay. So that actually brings us to, um, you know, why it is that we're here. Um, we first learned about, uh, Chris and I first learned about Jeff um, through, you know, some emails with Rosalind Radcliffe and some other people. And officially this is, I'm on the product page. It's IBM WASI for Red Hat code ready workspaces. <laughs> That's another name. one. Yes. Rolls off the tongue. It's a yeah. strong name. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but Jeff, um, I mean, Jeff is the 
Jeff is the the guy behind the guy behind the, you're you're the wizard. You're the wizard of Oz uh, for IBM Wazi virtual test platform. But like a, I think the wizard was pretty like malevolent. I don't think well, Jeff is. Then it's very accurate. <laughs> um, so you're the primary. It's I don't know where I got this from. Maybe maybe you're LinkedIn. So I'm what I have is that you're the primary de- developer for IBM's new Wazi virtual test platform product, which allows a developer or tester to seamlessly, without any program changes, seamlessly record Kix DB2 DL1 MQ series applications and then replay them in batch without any need for middleware or software. Um, and then in one of these emails, it said, you, you said, you were adamant about this. You're like, I want the public to know that I coded the entire product in assembler. No, you didn't say that. This was just in passing, <laughs> but you did say, you said I coded the entire product in assembler. Uh, right now there uh, are about 650 programs making up, uh, t- uh 12, uh, or sorry, 12, 120,000 lines of code. And then you say, of, of, you say all nicely commented, of course, which yeah, I haven't right. seen it, but I trust you, you know? Oh, it's, it's beautiful. <laughs> it, cool. it, it, every line is commented. and uh, That's really cool. That takes well, a lot of, the, the commenting, I think, I mean, and I'm still relatively new to, you know, like actually looking at, you know, somebody's, somebody's code, like in COBOL or, or you know, other, some of these other mainframe languages, but like that's, it takes a lot of work. The commenting alone probably takes as much time, if not more time than the actual line of code itself. Right. Yeah. Cause you're not having to just write, you're having to annotate and make sure that, you know, anybody, anybody else you're, you're looking at sustainability, right? Yes. I, I don't. And, and I've seen this so many times with Java programs and other languages that people don't comment, but I don't want to come back to this logic months, three months, two years later and saying, what the heck was I trying to do here? Um, <laughs> you know, this way it does two things. It immediately allows me to figure out what my thought was, but also somebody else could come along and more easily understand it. Um, it's complex code. So it's it's really important to have co- a good comment. There's a lot more than what you you rhymed off there uh, that the product does. And and I don't know if we're allowed to pre-announce or not, but uh, in the next update, we're, uh, we've added um, IMS, DM support, BMP support, uh, DB2 with IMS, BMP, even uh, file I.O., sequential and vSAM files, all of this stuff we can record and play back without any middleware. And we'll, we'll talk about that, the importance of that at some, any time you like, but I'll let you get back here and look up. Uh, yeah, this, uh, this is a totally total tangent. Maybe when, maybe, maybe when Chris hops in, I, I can, I can look at it, but you did say that you did mention the piece about, um, about these playbacks. And so I, 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 uh, Suman Gopinath, uh, did a video and I think Chris, you, you helped produce this, right. Or you were responsible. Yeah. For I did it. a little bit of work okay. with her on it. Yeah. And, and in there she's, she's, she, I, I just have some notes. She says early transaction testing, even before deploying it, the, this product or, or WASI virtual test platform can intercept calls and then import them back into playback files. So that those playback files, Jeff, that's what enables the, the later batch, um, uh, uh, that's what enables you to, to do this later in batch mode. Is that right? Well, let me give you um, 
a 307 line, uh, seven word description of what this is. Yes, um, please. We like precision. That's good. Yes. That's an assembler. Guys are very precise. It probably drives my wife crazy, but yes, we are. Um, <laughs> the product, uh, um, we can seamlessly with zero, absolutely zero changes to your application program. We're using the load modules. They're the exact load modules that are running under Kit or IMS or Batch or whatever. No changes. You don't have to uh, relink anything, rebind it, nothing. It's pure. And we like to keep it that way. But we're able to take during the execution of these programs, whether it's under Kix or IMS or whatever, we can intercept all of the calls that are occurring, whether it's calls to Kix, whether it's calls to DB2, MQ series, you name it, file IO, even programs calling other programs. We can intercept that and record all of the arguments on those calls into this playback file. Now, that's, you know, when if you stop and just look at that picture, people would say, okay, that's nice. So what? Well, here's the so what part of all of this is that now we can allow the user to replay their applications without middleware being there. They can replay it in just in batch on any computer, any mainframe computer, whether it's a ZD and T box or whether it's a different LPAR, it doesn't matter and they get to replay their application uh, without Hicks being there, without IMS being there, without DB2. We, because of the recording, we have a baseline mm. um, snapshot of what the data was for the execution of that program. And then if they've made programming changes, for example, to their, to their applications, and they say, okay, I, now I want to test, they can just run it with our replayer and we will show them down to the bit level on the exact line of code um, that made the call that had a mismatch. So they can find out immediately without having to put this into kicks or IMS or no installation, whatever. They can find out immediately where their program has started to have a deviation. Instead of, you know, waiting to the, the end of the transaction or whatever and seeing that, hmm, my DB2 data looks weird. You know, mm -hmm. now I got to go back 200 programs and figure out what went wrong. We're going to, we're going to show it to you right up front. And that's all part of what this shift left, um, this uh, term that, that we're using is shift left. It, it, it pushes your testing much closer to the left side, which in the picture shows the developer on the right. left and the deployed system on the right. And so this, um, massively, allows a user to to see their changes, to see the effects of their changes, to find out where problems occurred much, much quicker. Got it. Uh, my, and, and, and because it's just a batch execution during replay and there's no spinning up of kicks or IMS or whatever, you can even have this at the other side, you know, like you commit some code to let's say Git or RTC or whatever. You can have it kick off these replay jobs in an automated fashion and see if, you know, if the entire transactions, you know, thousands of transactions, a single one doesn't matter. See if they still execute in an automated fashion. Got it. 
my my question is the 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 piece this is where uh, uh this is where I could use some more clarification the piece where you capture um you know when you fir- when you first do that capturing the intercepting and then the recording in VTP was VTP my I guess I have a couple of questions. How frequently does that happen? Because essentially what you're doing is you're building out this model that has all these assumptions built into it based off of the um I guess maybe execution path would be a good way of looking at it. You're building this model that has all these assumptions that basically taking a snapshot in time and you're and you're allowing I'm actually not the way it works. Okay. Um let, let before we go down that path too yeah. far. It's not a snapshot in time. It's actually we're intercepting all of the interactions for the execution of the program. So there are no assumptions. It's pure data. So you have mm-hmm. let's let's take a small example. You've got a, a program X. Mm-hmm. And X has, you know, and of course these numbers are wildly small, but <laughs> um, but just for talking, has five calls in it. And okay. and and two of those calls are to kicks and, and three of those calls are to DB2. Well, those calls we're dealing with are the actual load module at the time that it's executed. And so it's truly executing at this point. So all of those kicked calls and all of those DB2 calls, we're able to, we know the lengths of all of the arguments on, that are being passed to kicks or DB2 or whatever you're using. Mm-hmm. And we record all of that data as it's executing. So it's not a snapshot in time. It's a continuous flow. And we're recording through that continuous flow. And now um, when we replay it, that program is it's a kicks program, let's say. It thinks it's running in kicks, but it's mm. not. It's running in batch. It comes along to that first kicks call. It says exact kicks, I don't know, whatever the call is. Well, there's no kicks. So we find the appropriate record and, and it, you know, an analysis is done on that record to make sure it's the one they're really asking for. But we find that record and we, we actually update the response arguments for everything that is coming back to that application program. So the exec interface block uh, gets updated with what was recorded at the actual time of the recording. Got it. Even though it's no longer that. Okay. You're, you're, you're tricking, you're, you're tricking your application into thinking it's, you're, you're, you're putting yeah, your application we, in like the matrix. To, we like to, <laughs> well, that's, that's one of the analysis, analogies that I like to use is actually from the matrix. Uh, and I'll say that. Yes. But instead of using the word tricking, we use the word virtualizing. Right. So, but the mm. matrix is actually a good analogy. Yeah. And I've used this in some customer calls and, and to make people, you know, sort of understand here, they say, I'm not really sure I get this. And so I say, look, okay, look, we've recorded. <laughs> The application. Now during replay, we're virtualizing it. The responses we we're giving you back all of the data. Mm-hmm. And I, I compare this to in the matrix when Neo goes to the Oracle mm-hmm. and and sees this young boy um, on the floor and he's holding the spoon in his hand and mm-hmm. the spoon is wobbling around and, and all this other and doing it all on its own. Yeah. And the boy says to Neo, "You have to understand that." I am not able to bend the spoon. That's impossible. You have to understand that there is no spoon. And that's essentially what we've done here. There is no middleware. Yeah. So, so when we're responding to these calls, the program doesn't know there's no middleware. It's getting back the exact same information that the original recording 
uh, would have would have provided based mm-hmm. upon it. But we're comparing all of the arguments, and we've essentially there, there is no middleware. Yeah. <laughs> And so this, so this does a couple of things. This enables you to, to, to do this in batch. Uh, it's, it's like, it's on demand basically. Like if you want to, if you want to automate this, it's, it's, you take that recording and you can make it, that's what enables you to do the shift left because you don't have to do anything on an actual mainframe or you don't have to do it in, in an actual, an actual development LPAR or even a production LPAR. I mean, not that you would, I guess. The only right? thing we need access to is the user's load modules and, okay. the, and that playback file. Okay. And we can then execute it. That, okay. And that, that, sorry, go ahead. No, Inter- go ahead. Interrupting. <laughs> but that's the action. That's like the biggest, that's, that's probably the, the biggest thing that we can stress to people who maybe like myself who are, you know, still getting, still, you know, still getting acquainted with it is it's, it's just like, the, it's instantaneous. Um, I had a question for you though. So how frequently does, uh, Wazi have to, uh, have to do this, um, intercept and record operation? Like how- to produce a brand new playback file or to, yeah. well, yeah, to pr- produce, produce a brand new playback file because, um, I mean, how you like how frequently would like middleware subsystems, you know, ZOS doesn't change that frequently, but you know, uh, like, you know, how, how frequently does, do you have to do that? And, um, you know, do you, would you, what, you know, would you have different intercept, uh, and play, would you have different playback files for, you know, like seasonality changes, you know, or like, like de- demand change? Like if we're in a kicks, if we're talking kicks, you know, like would, would a situation like would a like Black Friday situation, you know, uh, which causes a huge spike in demand and, and would would uh, um, would impact kicks transactions? Would that be different than if we were, you know, at like a you know two a.m. on a you know random March day in March or something? You know. Well, okay, um, I see what you're getting at. You're um, we're talking about a de- development environments first right. of all. Um, mm-hmm. uh, this is not a product that should be uh, recording production data. That's okay. a violation of GDPR rules, etc. Because we're not encrypting the data. Um, uh-huh. And please don't use the product to record production stuff because you know you you're going to be having real production data mm-hmm. out in the open. That's not what it's for. It's entirely for developers. So. So you're talking about, um, you know, performance degradation on a Black Friday, you know, because there's millions and millions of transactions. No, we aren't affected by, by that because we're dealing with development fixes and development, whatever it is. And, mm-hmm. and so it's all just ad hoc. So, so these playback files, um, we cannot make, make up data. It's, you know, it, uh, this isn't Hogwarts. I don't have a magic wand and I can't go <laughs> and I can't say whatever that, you know, Harry would say. Um, we can't make that up. So so that gives a, a lifetime uh, duration of what what the data in this playback file is, is to be variable. Um, mm-hmm. If your programs generally don't change, uh, you know, um, in a lot of cases, this is, you know, people develop. They do a lot of work up front, and then that program becomes stable, and it's hardly ever changed or never changed later on. Mm-hmm. 
And so depends on where you are in that cycle. If you're if you're wanting to to test um, applications that have, are stable in, in in this kind of thing, and and you're you're making a change to program X, but you want to make sure everything else in your system, yeah, you probably don't have to. You can use the recording that was done before for a long period of time. If you're making a ton of changes and doing development up front, and you're adding all these new calls, well, like I said, we can't make up data, so the playback file would need to be re-recorded as you iteratively develop uh, this process. Okay. So, you know, it, the answer to that is um, it depends. <laughs> it depends. Yeah. But you, but you, but, uh, but you, but your own your own team, your, you know, your DevOps or agile team or mainframe shop, you would have to make that determination that would have to be in your documentation. And that would be undertaken at regular intervals, right? Well, we actually, um, produce a return code saying, Hey, can't find any record for this. I can't continue to execute. So you'll know pretty fast. Oh, okay. Uh, uh yeah. And it just, yeah, it's going to happen and it, it's supposed to happen. Yeah. It just, it just means that your application is using uh, a set of data um, that is from the playback that isn't sufficient to satisfy your application because you've added new calls. To it. Got it. And it's going to happen. And, yeah. and but the, look at the other side of this is, um, let's say you you say, oh, I'm going to go and make changes to these two programs to, and they're in kick. So why don't I record right now what it looks like? And so now I've got my playback, and now I can see the effects that I'm going to make. One of the big advantage of that is, um, you know, you're sitting there and you're doing development and you're making changes and you're sharing a kick system with, with other people. Little do you know that your coworker, let's call him Chris, because we got lots of Chris's on this call. Your coworker, <laughs> sure do. Chris, went and modified that DB2 table and you didn't know anything about that. And they've dropped some rows there. And, and now you go to retest your application and you say, what on earth, why am I getting these, you know, is blowing up or what, you know, I didn't make this kind of change. This is not, well, that's because you were using a shared fix environment. Oh. By, by doing mm. this recording, okay. it, it isolates the data from the execution into your own personal playback file that you can now use to replay. So you don't, you're not affected by other people making changes because like I said, you're not using the middleware. Oh, you just mentioned, okay. you just said something that I hadn't even thought of, but you, you as a developer have your own personal playback files. Yes, you can have your own mm. personal. You can then when you're done and now you've got everything working, you could, you know, um, put those playbacks into a source control system or, or whatever it is and, and just make them part of your set of things, you know, but that's no problem. Nice. I, so I had a question. Well, I had two questions and you just <laughs> answered the last one. Um, the first question is how much time can developers expect to be spending making these recordings? It literally, let's, let's take kicks for example. It literally takes, um, Ten seconds. That's it. You wow. type, you type in one transaction. BZUS started. Now that's now starting the recording. There's nothing to do. You just <laughs> do your thing um, from that point on. So you you typed in that transaction. Now you go and do all of your test transactions that you're working on. You know you might type in twenty of them. I don't know. And then you type in BZUE to end the recording, and that isolates it to only your recording. 
And then a third transaction just to tell it to write out the data. That's it. That's all there is. That's to incredible. It. That's incredible. And so then that way, um, and the recordings can be done ad hoc at any point mm-hmm. as many times as necessary, right? Yeah. Hmm. Unreal. Yeah. I'm I'm working on a on an enhancement to also wash your windows with the software, but that one's finding to be a little bit harder. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, yeah, that's all there, that's all it is to it. Um for let's take a look at, you know, think about batch, uh, for example. We record DB2 and batch as well as under IMS and, and kicks, et cetera, but batch, MQ, whatever you want. If you're recording, um, there is nothing additional other than adding our load library to your step live and putting in the name of your playback file. That's all that, that's all the change that you just put that in your JCL and then we intercept all those calls and automatically write it out. Nothing, nothing additional on the, on the program. Testing early, testing often. Sure. And here's another use case for this product is let's say you are saying, okay, I'm on COBOL 4 and I want to migrate to COBOL 6. Or we're going to a new kick system or a new DB2 version or something like that. Well, what you can do is record your transactions just by typing in, like I said, BZUS to start it. Go through, and you can have any number of users on the same Kix region or even Kix, you know, Kixplex, no problem. But you can have any number of users all doing the, you know, how they do testing. You know, they'll sit around a table and they'll type in these transactions or they'll use web services or whatever it is they're doing. They, they can just, as long as somebody starts the recording, they can then have all of these transactions recorded with the current existing system. Then they can go en masse and recompile all their applications if they want to, like the newer level of COBOL that they want or, or install a new Kix, whatever. And then instead of going through the testing again on that Kix system, uh, you just run the, the replay job for all those transactions. And, and that all those transactions could be in one playback. They could be in hundred, you know, they can be concatenated. It doesn't matter. And we'll show you all of the differences for all of the arguments and all of the processing. And ideally, you know, with a new compiler or a new um, version of the middleware, there would be no differences. But we're going to identify and show them exactly if there are. And you'll know then, okay, we've got a problem with the compiler or whatever it is that caused that difference. Mm. Yeah, see, that's that's huge there, especially for the for the clients that I'm working with, the customers that are doing my, you know, that I'm in education with or working with the DPO. Um, you say you you say moving from COBOL X to COBOL Y or you know upgrading version of DB2 or whatever, and uh, you could just feel pulses raising in the room. Um, so being able to give them that kind of peace of mind and just knowing that um, you know any tools that can say say that can lower the blood pressure right um man that's amazing that's, that's really right. cool and it's not just cobol we support pl1 cobol and assembler even if nice. you have old style assembler programs that are running under kicks from the 1970s it'll still work and they exist those absolutely exist that's incredible cool yeah. you know in something like mq series you know do you know there's nine different versions of their control block yeah, we auto detect them and record them what? appropriately. And then even on replay, even if you recompiled and you're now using a different version of the control blocks, we still handle that. Same for DB2. They changed their control block about 20 years ago, it looks like. And 
we detect that. And you wrote 120,000 lines of this? Yes. All in a center. I don't know uh, where this question came from. Probably one of our listeners. What's the difference between WASI virtual test platform and ZUnit? Okay, so um, let's look at it as a... Uh, hold out your left hand. Okay. And then Holding hold it out up. your right hand about two feet apart. Two feet apart. Okay, got it. Okay. Yeah. You're a little bit short there, Chris. Maybe you're, I can see you. <laughs> All right. Like, okay. <laughs> he could see me whipping my head back and forth. Be like, is this no, two feet? Take your okay. hands okay. and hit yourself in the face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't do that to me. So let's, using those hands, let's look at your, your environment. So okay. on the left-hand side, you're dealing with the tiniest thing. And from a execution po- point of view, that's a single program. Okay. Okay. And now as your scale goes a little bit more to the right, that program is part of a group of programs that are basically executing in a transaction. And now okay. that transaction is part of many, maybe several pseudo-conversational transactions that make up a logical transaction under okay. kicks or something. And now you've got a bunch of transactions and you've got more and more of these things and you're getting way over to the right-hand side and that's your whole system. Got it. Okay. Got okay. it. Okay. Okay. So ZUnit... Is, is an IBM um, product that um, is entirely geared for allowing you to deal with the program level development and testing. Okay. The unit, and, the individual yes, unit. The individual unit. Now, it. it uses as its runtime for execution of this WASI BTP. So, WASI BTP is, BTP is really what's running those test cases behind the scene. Mm. So mm, BTP okay. as a runtime supports that that individual Z unit execution, but it also supports that entire gambit that's between your Got two it. hands. You sneaky, so B- you sneaky, sneaky devils. Uh, <laughs> Can well, I put my hands down now? Yeah, uh, only one of them. So, oh, yeah. Shoot. <laughs> so wait, right. has, has so uh, sorry to interrupt you, but has has the VTP has been. Uh, ZUNA has been underpinned by VTP for for a long time, right? Well, or... they had um, that group um, oh. started out with their own uh, way to record. And um, would you like a little bit of history on this? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes, please. Uh, two years ago, when I came back to IBM, mm-hmm. Uh, I was working with Tim Wilson, and I don't know if you know Tim or not. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so Tim and I were working on a, a new language called uh, ZJS, mm-hmm. and yep. well, actually, it's quite interesting. It's um, it um, it allowed um, somebody to take COBOL program, mm-hmm. visually see it on their screen as if it's a um, a type text. Type, was it type text? Or, not. It's not TypeScript, but um, anyways, um, to, to visualize it and make changes, et cetera, in a, in a modern programming format. Mm-hmm. And then when you press save, it still goes back to COBOL and, and it's one-to-one. Well, um, Tim actually, he came and said, you know, I'd like to actually be able to do testing on like program or something. Like mm-hmm. And I said, oh, okay. That gave me a whole bunch of ideas. And I thought, you know what? I, I bet you I could intercept all these calls and, 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 
and play them back. And this became actually the, the basis of this. Mm. And um, so one day I walked in, and Rosalind didn't know me, but um, I walked into Rosalind's office and I said, I hear you guys are working on some type of, you know, trying to do some playback um, recording. And so she told me about ZUnit and, and um, ZUnit at that time was they were capturing all, you know, their specific calls that, you know, was, and there was only so many of them. And, and um, they actually, the uh, capturing they did, they, it, the old version of it, it would generate COBOL source for all of those fields. And so, you know, to basically they're sourceizing this so-called playback. And then you'd have to relink your user application with that, those stubs, and, mm -hmm. and then et cetera. And, and I looked at her and I said, why don't you just intercept the calls based on the load module? And she says, well, we don't think it can be done. <laughs> and so I went and wrote the prototype. And three days later, I came in and I showed her a working example of, of, of what she thought wasn't able to be done. And so... At that point, they found out about me and, and ZUnit came and contacted me and they said, well, we really are interested in what you're doing. And I said, okay, great. And so we, uh, they ended up um, wanting to use my runtime instead. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Wow. That's really and, cool. And so I support, there's, I think there's 564 different fixed calls and, and um, I don't know, 380 of them or something like that are application level and the others are system level. We support all of the application and, and most of the system ones, uh, et cetera. So, you know, with, with Z units, their original runtime, it, it only supported a handful of et cetera. But we, we handled the whole gambit as well as, you know, IMS, DB2, MQ, and all these other things. Wow. That's a cool story. That's a good history. Um, Jeff, I, so, um, I'm so hesitant to ask this question because it's just going to, I, I, but just do it. You, all right. So I'm a developer. I'm using Wazi virtual test platform. I am testing, right? I'm, I'm, I'm conducting this test, this shift to enable shift left, shift left testing. What am I testing for? <laughs> the changes in your pro that you've made to your program. So let's take a simple example. Yeah. You're, you're doing a, a, a calculation uh, for, I don't know, interest rate effects on uh, savings accounts or something. Okay. And, and you've created an, you know, you've altered the algorithm on it or something. Okay. So you're making some type of programming changes. And now, yeah. you know, how it doesn't matter how you spin the CPU and do calculation. That's CPU. That's, that's gone, you know, if there was no power. What's important is what's persistent to, files and other things, tables, DVD, you know, anything that's persisted and, and maintained um, forever, mm -hmm. you know, data. Yeah. Well, how do you get that data out of that program? And you do that. The answer is you do it by issuing calls to things that are going to pass that data along. So okay. it might be a kicks call. It might be an IMS database call. Mm -hmm. It might be DB2. It might be MQ. It might be something. Right, okay. file IO. Right. right. Okay. That's where we're intercepting. We're, mm -hmm. And so we're able to compare all of those arguments of what's going in and out. So if your calculation is altered 
and you you doesn't matter that you're executing different CPU. We don't care. Mm-hmm. It's at the point where you get to you you're writing out data that we're matching it up and making sure it's still valid. Okay, so you uh, so okay. in one a, summa, a summation would be you are testing to to guarantee that the the program or application continues to do what it is it is supposed to do or it is it is doing what the expected or anticipated outcome is it's doing yes. that thing okay despite whether you have changed the program the computational algorithms or not got it okay so not a dumb question nice that was no not a that was, question okay in that case that was not a question from our listener from our listeners that was a question for me I don't think there are any dumb questions. There's dumb answers, but there's I don't know what dumb questions. Hey Jeff, what's what's uh, you said you're working on some enhancements. What's next up for what's next up for you? Whether it's VTP or what's 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 your next uh, what's your next trick? What's your next uh, endeavor? I guess you're you're asking you're asking questions that will get me in trouble here if I answer. (laughs) What can you? I don't know if we can. How about this? How about this? If if anybody wanted to find out more about the future of Wazi VTP and the work that you're doing, where would they go or who would they talk to? Oh, since this is an external broadcast, that you know the answer has to be you got to go through our uh, our offering manager for that. Perfect. That That's works. They're the gatekeepers. I mean, it's yeah. It, it, we're not supposed to pre-announce, <laughs> and but there's some really great stuff coming on uh, up. That's um, you know it, in the medium future, we'll call okay. it. That's cool. just gonna boggle the minds of people because you know suddenly, if you think about it, um, these the tools that are currently available are are basically for analysis of source or you know, let's take a look at, you know, here's all my source code. Give me an analysis. What We have a completely different perspective. We're intercepting load module execution. And so we know what actually ran instead of, you know, your program might have 300 different call, calls in it for things, but we know that only 47 of them called. And so we can give a different perspective on this. And, and we see, um, you know, uh, what programs are calling what other programs? What are the arguments being passed? This is stuff that source analysis could never give. So, so we, mm. you know, there's a lot of things. And this our product also, you know, it works with the debugger. So you can sit there and debug into your Kix application or IMS programs, step through them using a visual debugger that, you know, that hooks in on the mainframe side. It's running under VTP. Mm. And so you, the, the, the beauty of that is that you can debug and write code for a new for a Kix program that has never seen the light of day of Kix. So it's that's, possible to actually develop a program without having the middleware at all. That's wild. That's incredible. That's cool. I can't wait till I see uh, Wazi VTP on a Raspberry Pi. <laughs> well, it, <laughs> It'll know, happen. We require it to be running on a ZOS system. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you know it'll run on a ZD and T box. Well, yeah, ZD can we get ZD and T on a Raspberry Pi? Well, maybe I don't know. You have to talk to that group. But uh, but for those that don't know what ZD and T is, it, it's essentially it's a mainframe ZOS operating system that's running on a PC. Yeah. So the, it looks exactly like um, a ZOS mainframe, but of course it, the power of it is. is it's intended for just developers or whatever, right. but um, 
but you know instead of having to have any this workload out on a uh, on on your mainframe LPAR and, and and taking cycles there, et cetera, you could be replaying this stuff on a ZDNT bar. That's just simply a, a PC. It's amazing. Yeah. And I'll tell you, we here at ZDevOps Talks with Chris and Chris are huge <laughs> proponents and huge fans of ZDNT. Or just well, a mainframe in general, you know, anything mainframe related, you know, it's for it's sure. Kind of our livelihood. So <laughs> it's an excellent system, the mainframe. It really is. Yeah. You know, it's, the UI parts of it, yeah, it's it it um, you know, it think of it as a server. If you think of it as a server, the mainframe is just phenomenal and it's yeah. incredibly fast, unbelievably fast. So, Jeff, you're getting me all jazzed up over here. I'm ready to sell you a copy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm have to pull some strings and get a get a copy. Um, Actually, so you can download it um, off of uh, what's it called Z Shop. There's a oh Shop Z, yeah. Shop Z, yeah. You mm-hmm. can download it. I think there's a one month or three month. I don't know which. That this is all stuff for the offering manager, but you can download it and try it. Oh, Rails. good. All right. Well, we're gonna leave a link. Um, that's good. We'll leave links. I mean, we typically leave links, but that's good to know. I didn't. I didn't know that, so that's good. Um, I think we're we're a little we're a little over, but I think. Uh, I'm, I'm, this has been, this has been very informative. This is, uh, this is really cool. I, I thought I knew, I thought I knew, but I did not know, but now I am, now I know I'm in, I'm more enlightened when it comes to VTP. So thank you, Jeff. It's really yeah. something. It's really right. something. Thanks so much, Jeff. This has been fantastic. Yeah. Really hey, appreciate your welcome. time. man. so I want, you know, you're going to get out that map when I'm at the end of the call and find the elephant. <laughs> I know I'm going to have to take <laughs> on my lunch break. I'm going to have to see if I can find this elephant. Oh, 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 o